0: Everyone should have access to quality sleep. And that's why ergo motion launched quest, a new line of affordable, adjustable bases that benefit the body and the mind. After all, a great day starts with a better night. Check them out at ergomotion.com forward slash quest video ergomotion.com forward slash quest video.
1: Very well done. You know what, Kenzo, we've got, uh, we, we just came off of the nationwide keynote speech and it was a lot of fun to do. We had over a hundred people come into the Zoom room after the talk and we had a great conversation with those guys. And one thing stood out to me, remember PGA Orsini?
0: PGA Orsini, that wall of bourbon behind him.
1: <laughs> so my uh, very anemic bookshelves, because I haven't quite moved in yet, he had that plus some and it was all bourbon. So I'm thinking maybe I just follow in his foot tracks, right? I mean, like, just bourbon everywhere. But uh, outside of that being very cool. By the way,
0: can we from now on record all the shows at your house then, as soon as you get that done?
1: Yeah, we should. But, you know, since it is the Dos Marcos podcast, we should probably put tequila up there, don't you think?
0: Ooh, at least one bottle.
1: At least. So anyway, PJ was great. He invited everyone to come to his place and drink his bourbon, which I thought was nice. But the cool part of that story was PJ started using Traeger Grills, And he really got into the category in a big way. And it was kind of neat to hear him tell the story because he went from a transformation of selling the grills to teaching people how to use them and become the backyard chef that's in all of us, right? Uh, Which for me, it's just an excuse to drink beer. So uh, anyway, I love PJ's story and it's, uh, you can sell people grills and you can sell people products or you can take them and transform that customer into a lifelong friend and a relationship. And that's what PJ is doing. So I thought that was a really great takeaway for us at Nationwide.
0: And it was really cool too, because during that session, after our speech, we had, you know, probably about a hundred people that had been there for the speech, join us for cocktail social hour. And I got to announce to PJ that, Hey, you're in the book. And yeah. the book, you know, the book focuses on some of these principles that we talk about um, with helping people build a brand that people love and connect in a meaningful way and drive foot traffic to your store. And so I loved seeing um, that little tweet too. Just He said Traeger had transformed his business because you you not only get the brand that people want and you have something that's experiential if you choose to make it experiential with cooking food, you get additional foot traffic because people come in to buy the pellets and some of the extras that go with the Traeger Grill. So great strategy, great execution. And thank you a million to Nationwide for having us as your keynote speakers this year. We started the speech in a graveyard. We ended it in a warehouse with a tequila shot. And as always, even though primetime was virtual, we loved it and we had a great time. Uh, If you are not connected to Nationwide and you want to figure out how to make more money and drive more foot traffic, go to nationwidegroup.org. How'd I do on that one?
1: Really good. The the one thing we should say that we did mention the book, Come Back to Bed. And if you're interested in that, which is what we talked about during the Nationwide Talk, go to dosmarcos.co.co and check it out. And there's a lot of information there. And actually, the last podcast, Kinsley, that we did, we go through a full review of everything that's inside that. So go check it out, mash the like button, share it with your friends. We'd appreciate it.
0: Dosmarcos.co. Do not go to dosmarcos.com or you will end up at some villas in italy dot <laughs> so dot co why dot co because we're the co-hosts of the dos marcos podcast
1: that's right we couldn't afford we couldn't afford the m is really the, the story there but
0: we couldn't afford the m at all but what you can't afford not to do is get podium podium is they actually brought it back they're giving away a 400 hundred dollar visa gift card when you sign up for podium right now so go to Podium.com forward slash dose. And by the way, this $400 gift card became so popular that we were talking to Shannon and Kenyon and they said, we're gonna bring it back because people are signing up left and right. And it's for new signups and for anybody that adds a location. So Podium is the ultimate messaging platform. Look, the the thing that always stands out to me about Podium is, if you are texting, if you have your phone and you're texting with your customers, that's how people are talking to their friends. So if you want your customers to feel like you're a friend and to be able to communicate with them in a channel that they love and that is they're using every day, you need to be texting because Podium provides the opportunity for you to do that and not do it through your phone. It's a dashboard, it's trackable, it's manageable. You can assign it. And then on top of that, you can send them a payment processing link so they can pay by text. How does it work? I don't know, but it does. They process nearly 50 million bucks since COVID shutdown.
1: Not bad. Not bad oh, at all. Head over hey, to Podium. Just the cool kids. Podium are the cool kids. I mean, there's other solutions, but no one's as cool as Podium. So you got to check them out.
0: You can get that 400 bucks. Podium.com forward slash dose.
2: Dose Marcos podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kinsley.
0: I truly felt bad for you at the time.
2: He's Mark Quinn.
0: I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant.
2: Together, they are Dos Marcos.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Mark Quinn and Mark Kinsley with the Dos Marcos, Galaxy's Greatest Mattress Podcast, and we're really lucky today to have Dale Camp on the show. Uh, A little backstory on Dale. So my cousin, Pat Quinn, who's just a little older version of me, not quite as good looking and a little heavier, I think, is probably the best way to sum that up. Um, Dale, I'll let you weigh in on that in a second. Um, No, actually, Pat's an incredible guy. He's the CEO of United Healthcare, and uh, he's been one of my closest friends as a kid growing up and and, and still is. And I love the guy with all of my heart. But anyway, he connected Dale and I. And um, he told me that Dale had written a book. And so he said, Hey, I know you have your book coming out. And so Dale wrote a book and maybe you two could get together and kind of talk about, uh, strategies with the book. And once Dale and I got to talking, uh, it was clear to me very quickly that Dale would be the perfect person to have on the show. Um, Dale, um, we, we read your book called how long, Oh Lord, how long? And it is a faith-based book about, thank you, Kinsley um, about, uh, the struggles that people go through when they go through unemployment. And I think right now for people, there's a lot of people who've been in transition with their jobs. I have personally gone through things like that. Um, and it really creates a lot of questions and doubt you, know, you you've been, um, a, a superstar in, in corporate industry for a while. You were with, um, the hospital that is now mercy, right? And then uh, you, after 25 years, they gave you six words on your way out that changed your world. So, what were those?
3: <laughs> the six words were, "Your name is on the list," and uh, it was That's not a uh, good list. No, it really wasn't. We were uh, we were preparing for an organizational restructuring. We were going to say goodbye to 25 people. I was telling my boss. Here's how we're gonna help those 25 people. Here's how we're gonna deliver the message. And at the end of it, he stood behind his chair and he said, oh, by the way, your name is on the list. I became 26.
1: And that moment in time, Dale, had to really um, weigh heavily on you because after giving a company that much of your life and your time, like, what were some of the things you went through initially? like? Can you take us through kind of where your mindset was at that point?
3: Well, I think for for me, it was similar to what anybody goes through. Your first is there's a little bit of shock. So it doesn't mean that uh, we don't ever think it can happen. I think when the reality does happen, um, it's a little bit of a shock. Uh, so for me personally, uh, i had done a project for the organization within the past year that had saved a million dollars. Um, this COO was really big on efficiency statistics and my stats for my division were in the top 10%. So there wasn't a logical reason for that to happen. Um, as it was, he later just said, you've got a great team that I think can do without you and you make more money than anybody there on the team. So I'm going to save the dollars. So first it's kind of shock. Um, and then there's really kind of a, a hurt feeling that people deal with because, Uh, This was before you got voted off islands, but that's really kind of what you felt like. You got voted off the island. You were rejected by the organization after you gave so much to the organization. So for me, it was first the shock and then just the the hurt of being rejected and then then a little anxiety about the unknown. I'd grown up there. I had, uh, at that point in time, I had two kids in college, one in private high school. So those were what we call the heavy cash flow years. Um, And I didn't know what was next. And so that was, that probably was the third emotion that hit me the hardest at that point in time.
1: But part of this is you were a head of of HR, you're a VP of HR. And so you have experienced the other side of that, where you're probably letting people go and coaching them through their own transition. And here you find yourself on the other side but you really dip down into your faith life to help you navigate that rough water. And so that's really what a lot of this book is. It's taking that belief in your faith and inserting it into how to navigate this life experience.
3: Yeah, for me, it was important that my faith was going to be what was going to help get me through the most difficult times. And I wanted a tool that could help others that were going through it because unemployment is something Mark and Mark that people just don't talk about. Um, There's kind of an embarrassment or a shame that goes with it. And so people just don't talk. In fact, often you'll hear somebody lost a job when you hear that they found a new job Um, and they might've been unemployed for eight months in between, but you just didn't hear from them because people don't talk about it. And so the book was really not a, it's never been written as a book of how do I find a job? So it's not, okay, here are all the tips on how to write your resume. Here's the tips on how to do that. It's really about how do I deal with the emotions that, that come to me that, that I am impacted by, most of which I probably didn't really anticipate feeling. Um, they probably surprised me. And then, uh, and then I wanted to bring in faith to say, okay, here's how we can turn things over to God and let him help us through this process.
0: Dale, it's a, it's a very timely topic. I had a friend worked at a large company, works at a large company, and we were talking about the changes in employment structure, corporate downsizing, everything that's happened during COVID. And I said, how many people are gone? Like, what do you know? And he told me, it's strange because the corporate headquarters essentially shut down and so during that shutdown we haven't been back to the office to see you know if Jim up in accounting is gone or not so they really have no sense of how many of their colleagues in some of these other departments they don't interface with are gone give us a little context for the current climate what's happening out there in the world in terms of the bigger numbers what does unemployment look like today and what are you hearing or seeing or observing In terms of how people are navigating work from home not knowing what's going on in the company and this these new conditions
3: now let me start uh, Mark just to talk about unemployment itself and I think that's really a um, it's something that surprises people how big it is every year so if we stop and think of 2019 we'd say that was a pretty robust economy. Some people would say that was the best economy in the last 50 years. Twenty one In 2019, 21.7 million people lost a job they didn't want to lose. There were that many job losses. Um, this year, we've gotten up to close to 40 million. Now, some of that has come back. But those continue to happen and are going to continue to happen. Uh, just because of what's going on with COVID. So there are a lot of people that have lost jobs. Um, There are industries that are really struggling because it's gonna take a while till they come back. And so those people are really stuck in that world of wait a second, I loved running hotels. Well, it's gonna be a while till hotels fill up. Um, I worked for an airline. I loved working in the airline industry. That industry is gonna take a while to come back to where it was. And so there are people right now that are struggling with, what do I do next? Because what I really loved probably isn't uh, on the foreseeable future. I think there are a lot of people that have lost jobs that are uncertain where to go. Um, Because it's hard when you can't connect with people in the way that you used to. That's the one thing that COVID has made more challenging for us is the ability to connect with people. We just have to do it in a different way. So Zoom has created a new way to connect with people. And I think some people just aren't yet used to figuring out how do I use that to my advantage and not see it as a disadvantage. Um, You know, you mentioned people not knowing what's going on. I, I would say if people don't know what's going on in the organization, then the organization's got some communication issues because it's really important to always be letting your staff know what's going on because when they don't know and they're surprised, that really has an impact um, on how people perceive leadership. And so communication becomes really important to them.
0: And that's been the the biggest shift and you know I remember the industry trade publications were asking different leaders within our industry, what are you doing to manage and survive? What's the most important thing that you're doing? And the people that, that get it said communication and making sure that people are aware of what's happening because if you don't show up, people are gonna make it up. So you gotta be present. You gotta get information out there. Otherwise, we can think ourselves into a very dark corner when we're on our own and don't know what's happening.
3: Absolutely. And I think our minds, so when we go into a period of uncertainty and job loss or this economy and COVID is a huge issue with uncertainty and the brain craves certainty. So it tries to figure it out and it it starts asking questions, trying to sort through that. And when nobody's talking, we go to the worst rather than the best. Um, that's just the way the mind seems to go. And so organizations that are coming through this better are the ones that are staying in touch with their people, even if they're working remotely, just touching base to say, how are you doing? What's going on? How can I help you? Um, what can we do to you know, make this process work better because we're working differently than we used to? Those are the companies that are doing well. The companies that are just kind of letting people on their own, I they think they're struggling.
1: Now, part of the, what I loved about the book is you, you kind of take people through the why me scenario, right? So when people get fired or transitioned out, there's that moment where they're like, what happened? Uh, like, how did this happen to me? And then there's almost the process of grieving, right? Like you would a person or a pet. And so it's anger, frustration, shock, disbelief. Eventually you get to acceptance, but um, they, they kind of go through all these emotions. Can you kind of talk about that and maybe give some people some
3: thoughts on how to help help navigate that rough water? Sure. Um, the The first of those that you hit, Mark, is a real on target one, and that's anger. Mm-hmm. Um, we often are angry that this happened. And, and anger goes in a lot of different directions. It might be anger at the company. It might be, who knows today, it could be anger at Somebody didn't do something, and that's why COVID is here. It's often anger at the person who delivered the message, but we often have anger. And we bottle that up, and we just store it inside us. And one of the things that I think is important for people to do is to get the anger out. And I don't think we think we're allowed to be angry, so people kind of hold it back. But anger is kind of like an iceberg. An iceberg, most of the damage is done below the surface. So if you can't deal with letting go of that anger, it's going to manifest itself somewhere down the road. It's going to to drag you back. And I always say there's a couple ways that you can deal with your anger. And one is to take a journal and write on a regular basis. So kind of journal for a couple of weeks, um, all your thoughts, but don't write as if somebody's going to read it. This is really your private thoughts so that you can really get it out. The other would be to speak to a uh, maybe a close friend who's got a good listening ear, not necessarily giving you wisdom, but just somebody who's going to listen, or maybe a professional counselor would even be appropriate for somebody to do. So you gotta got to move past the anger. That's, a, that's one that hits people pretty hard. You're the... The conversation around why is big. It's interesting because we all think, if yeah, I understood, why. Yeah, I want to real
1: quick because I, I, I don't want to leave that. And then I want you to talk about what you're just saying. But like with anger, isn't there a part of that that's also a forgiveness, right? So how important is it? So when you when you process that and you're just angry at your company, after 25 years, you were let go. And, and I'm sure you're going through, oh, my gosh, look at all I gave to you. And this is how you treat me thinking. At what like at some point don't you just have to process it and just go I forgive you like I get it you had your like don't you have to get to that point isn't that later on though
0: I mean that that to me in my own experience seems like I I skip over the anger that's my tendency that's my fallback position and but you're right forgiveness is true freedom but I would not acknowledge my anger in situations over the years. I found the best thing for me is to talk to somebody and vent. And like you said, find a good listening ear, not somebody who's trying to solve problems and get it out and be mad and experience that emotion to its fullest. You're, But you're right. I mean, forgiveness no, I, is ultimate you. freedom.
1: It's, yeah. No, at some point, I, I, I'm totally with you, Kinsey. I think you said that exactly right. I think at some point though, when you process it, a lot of people don't actually forgive and so they carry that load with them
3: so so forgiveness is important and also remembering the good times so our anger is often at a flashpoint of what happened and i had people that really wanted me to do things and find a way to retaliate and the reality is i had 25 good years i have a lot of great memories great people So I don't necessarily want to keep that anger with me. Forgiveness is important. One of the easiest ways to move into forgiveness is just pray for the person that hurt you. Now, that doesn't mean it goes away and you forget tomorrow. uh, But it's really kind of hard to hold a grudge if you're really praying for somebody. So I found that that's one that can work really well for us. And
0: maybe even imagine that person's life. You know what? What have they gone through? What did they have to go through leading up to firing people? Um, it sounds maybe a little counterintuitive, but that's ultimately empathy, and that will help you get forgive them. I think.
3: Yeah, and often the the person who is making the call, somebody's had that tough decision. They're trying to say what's best for the organization as a whole. They didn't wake up that morning and say, can I really hurt this person by doing this? In fact, they probably have gone through a lot of emotional turmoil knowing that they're going to have to do that. But they've said, if we can't reduce the ranks, we may not survive. So I've got to do what's not easy to do. And so if you do stop and put yourself in their shoes, yeah, it's a little easier to to understand where they're coming from. But I will tell most leaders, don't ever expect somebody to say thank you for it. It's not going to happen. But the leader has to do the job that's best for the organization. And for you, when you're receiving that news, you really want to try and put the best construction on it to move forward. Don't burn bridges. Because if you run around bad mouthing where you used to be, it starts to say more about you than it does about the company.
0: I can't tell how many people, though, over the years I've talked to who um – quit their job intentionally, or were let go, and after that period of anger disappeared, said, oh my gosh, the best thing that ever happened to me. I was stuck. I wouldn't do anything about it. I just wouldn't get off pause.
3: Yeah, I, Mark, I meet those people also. In fact, I don't know that I've really met someone that didn't tell me in the end it worked out better, so I've lost two jobs in my career. I had one for 25 years, I had another for 10 and the same thing happened. And I tell people, look, I don't wish unemployment on anybody. I mean, it's no fun when you're in the barrel, but I wouldn't trade it for anything either because I got to meet people that I would have never met. I had a chance to do things I would have never done, doors open that wouldn't have been open to me if I was say, you know, sitting where I was. And so it does become a blessing. It's just hard to feel when you're going through it at that point in time. It doesn't feel much like a blessing.
0: I had a friend recently I was riding bikes with. We always do these, these out, outdoor group bike rides. And he's a friend that I, an acquaintance friend that I've known uh, over the past maybe 18 months. And he shows up on the bike ride. And I was like, great to see you. What's, what's going on? And he had quit his job in a very challenging you know, climate, job market, but it had gotten so bad. And he said, I looked at myself and who I was becoming and I hated it. And he goes, I just decided I have to make a hard stop. Talk to my wife about it, pulled the plug on his job and is going through like a major reset. Um, so, so I love to, to hear when people are able to find perspective and, and put themselves back in the driver's seat and be intentional.
3: And it, Unemployment provides an opportunity that we don't often think about. And uh, there's a story that that I like to tell um, that really started, Mark, in 1829 in Calcutta, India.
1: Is this the monkey story?
3: Yes. (laughs) So the British had, had colonized India, and they wanted to build a golf course. And so they built the Royal Calcutta Golf Course. And they loved getting a chance to play golf, but they found that they had a problem. There were animals that were native to India that really didn't, they didn't find in England. And so panthers, water buffaloes would walk across the fairway, and those they could get around. It was the monkeys. So the monkeys would come down, pick up the ball, and throw it. Now, if you've been a golfer before, you kind of hope that the ball is where you hit it. And so the golfer would get there and find out the ball was way off to the left or behind. Once in a while, it might be thrown forward. And they got frustrated by that. So they built fences. They thought, ah, we'll keep them out. Well, that kept out a lot of the animals from wandering, but it didn't keep the monkeys. The monkeys would climb the fence, grab the ball and throw it. And they were extremely frustrated with this. And finally, one of the members said, let's play a local rule. The local rule is going to be, play the ball where the monkey throws it and their attitude is what changed. So no longer did they look at it as something that I didn't expect. That's bad. They almost relished the challenge. How can I do better from a circumstance than I didn't intend? And so they embraced the opportunity. And I think that's so important for us because if you're unemployed, believe me, the monkey grabbed that ball and threw it. It is not where you thought it was going to be. And you can't change what happened. So often we want to change or stop, and we can't. We can't go back and undo it, it's happened. What we control is our attitude. What we control is our response and how we move forward. And I talk about that with people when we talk about the why. It doesn't matter why you lost your job. The job is gone, what are you gonna do next? Where do you go? You have to control your attitude moving forward. That's really important for people.
0: Oh yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, action funk music is the official soundtrack of Door Counts because Door Counts is all about taking action to get out of that funk, the funk of not knowing. Door Counts is the smartest way to count retail traffic and then do something with that traffic and have proof and tie it to sales results. Our friend Luis Lopez actually won the door count system, installed it in one of his stores, saw how well it worked. He went out and purchased the system for all of his other stores. And he said, as soon as that camera went in, boom, difference maker.
1: I knew that the minute I would install that camera in my store, I was gonna be able to see why people were coming in, where were they coming from? I was going to make better decisions on my uh, marketing tools. I was going to make that person accountable to, to show the importance of, uh, to our salesmen of every person that comes through the door and how much it costs us to bring that person in. All of that stuff t- ties in together. And then, you know, the CRM to follow up with the customers and, uh, after they come in the store has elevated our sales incredibly. It's been a couple months that we've had it, and I can already see the results. I've seen a 60% growth in our sales for the entire year.
0: Right now, on your phone or computer, go to doorcounts.com, book a demo, tell them Dos Marcos sent you. We're talking to Dale, we're talking to Dale Crying Camp, author of How Long, Oh Lord, How Long. And you can get his book at Dale Crying Camp. Dot com. And we'll put that in the show notes because it's not the easiest last name to spell. And Dale, <laughs> I love I love the story about the monkey. You know, those monkeys that you speak of have evolved. I was watching TV last night and just happened to pop on a show about monkeys. And these monkeys in India had done two things I found very fascinating. Number one, they figured out that they could get into women's hair and pluck it out. And those long strands of hair they're using them as dental floss i kid you not (laughs) (laughs) the second thing that they've done they've gone beyond taking golf balls off the golf course and they are now stealing people's sunglasses and items necklaces chains things like that and these monkeys will get up in a high perch and they will barter with people for food you throw them a package of food if they like it they drop the sunglasses. If they don't, they throw down the food and they ask for something better. And then eventually, they'll <laughs> drop the sunglasses. <laughs> wow,
1: that's a play that's by a, the monkey a, rules. Remember, you know, it reminds me when I was in college. A friend of mine had a black lab. His name was Scott Bird, and uh, the black lab. He taught it how to go get beer from the refrigerator. So it had a towel on the handle of the refrigerator, and it would pull the door open. And then he had the refrigerator on some blocks, so. When the dog left, it would like close, just gravity would close the door. Here's the problem. The dog would just randomly bring you beer because he wanted attention and wanted to bring you beer. So the rule in his house was, after we tried to you know, teach him to stop doing that, the rule in the house was no matter what time it was, no matter what day it was, if he brought you a beer, you had to drink the beer. So <laughs> the um, noon, noon no, somewhere. Yes, kind of a same story. Um, You talked about kind of accepting where you are and it's how you look at it. And in your book, you, there's this quote and you talk about how it's all for the greater good. And it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So it's just a, it's a good reminder that no matter where you're at, it's, it is perception uh, and it is how you look at it. And yes, at first it's going to be tough, but then you go, wait maybe this is an opportunity, maybe this is something that will be good for me, maybe this puts me in a better place ultimately. And so I, I love how you insert that um, into, uh,
3: into that thinking. And, and Mark, I think that uh, we sometimes, we can see it better the further down the road we are when we look back. But when I think of the first job at 25 years, it was time for a change. But because I'd been there so long and I was so invested in the organization and all that, it would have been hard to pull away. So it happened. And that opened up opportunities that I never would have done before. It is a blessing. And and all those things do work. We just have to watch them.
0: What are some of those opportunities that it did open up?
3: Uh, So I started uh, when I couldn't find. So I had a challenge of In the St. Louis metropolitan area, when I went through that, my organization was one of the top 35 employers. So when you're the top human resource person for a large organization, those jobs don't grow on trees. And I wanted to stay in St. Louis. I didn't find what I was looking for. I opened a consulting practice and it flourished for five years. And so I met people and went places that never would have gone had I not done that. So doors were open to meet different people. And ultimately that led me to the next job because I was, they were a client and they ultimately said, "Yeah, we really need you to come work here. So doors open that we don't expect when we have a different opportunity.
0: You know, one of the things you talk about in the book is how to be a friend to people who are unemployed. What are some of those, some of those things we should be intentional about if we have a friend, who's lost a job. So let me talk first about what goes
3: on in the mind of somebody who's unemployed. They have kind of three questions that are in the back of their head. Sometimes they're in the front of the head. And the first is, who really cares enough about me that wants to know how it's really going, okay? Um, Which is different than the person who says, how are you doing? And you say, fine, and they say, great. The person who really cares is the person who says, no, I asked you how you're doing, and it'll stay with you till they really understand how it's going. The other is people want to know who's going to care enough to help and then really does help. Often people want to do something they don't know what to do, so they do nothing. So who's really going to be a helper? Who's going to open a door for me? Who's going to lend a hand? And the last is who's going to stay connected with me throughout the journey? Because that journey, is probably going to be longer than I expect it's going to be. So who's going to stay connected? So with the framework of that, I always tell people there are a number of things you can and should be doing. And the first is be proactive and reach out. So get connected with that person. Let's get together for a cup of coffee. Let's get together for lunch. And the language should be around, I want to listen, but I also want to help. I want to figure out how I can help you. So often people will say, hey, if you need anything, just let me know. But when you're unemployed, you've kind of lost, your, your pride is wounded. You don't like to ask for help. So having to ask people, that's hard to do. But when people say, I want to help, what can I do? You know that they really do. It's easier for you to kind of say something to them. Um, encouragement becomes important. It's It's a long and lonely journey for people that are unemployed. And so when you can be an encourager, which is texting, cards, phone calls, staying in touch and encouraging them is helpful. Um, I like to say that we need to praise efforts, not results. Because one of the challenges somebody has when they're unemployed is they don't control the results. They only control their efforts. I can't create a job. I can't make somebody interview me. All I can do is work the process. And it's kind of like in golf, I can't make the ball go in the hole. I work on the process uh, for that. Um, Introduce people. People who are unemployed need to meet more people. And it really happens for a couple of reasons. First of all, I would say, people need community. We aren't meant to live in isolation. So the more people you meet, the better it's gonna be for you. But the other part of that is what we'll call the networking, which is getting the story out about who you are and what you're looking for so that more people know, more people can introduce you, you have more eyes and ears that are gonna help in that job market. And when you introduce somebody, there's an easy way and there's the right way to go about doing it. So often I'll have people say something like, If I was talking to you, Mark, they would say something like, well, Mark, I've got a friend, Pat, over at this company. Just send him an email and told him, use my name. Well, that's the easy way. But Pat, who's over in that other company, gets an email from somebody they don't know. They don't know how close the relationship is. So the good way is for you to reach out to that person and say, hey, I've got somebody that I know who's unemployed, who's networking would you spend 30 minutes with them? And when they say yes, then connect them because you just help that person open a door to meet somebody and you know it's gonna be easier for them to get through the door. And I would say the last thing is just help them to be useful if there's a way that they can be useful. When you're unemployed, you've got more time on your hands and it's all about you and your job search, but we're built to help others and we wanna feel valued And so is there a way you can help them to be useful? I remember one time when I was unemployed, a friend of mine called up and he said, hey, I've got a big presentation. um, And it's about the leadership direction for our organization. And I know you've spent a lot of time there. Would you look at the presentation and give me some thoughts? I need some input. I felt wonderful because I was able to help my friend and use my skills. So if there's any way you can help somebody be useful. That becomes important.
1: And you know that was a small thing uh, that someone asked you to do, but it made it a, a big impact on you and gave oh, you absolutely again. So I love that. In in one of the parts of the book too, like so, where I think Christians get it wrong sometimes, Dale, is that there's this mentality of God will provide, and you know, just be patient. Well, but you have so you can't sit there and and wait. For that you have to engage and you have to at some point uh, pull yourself up off the sofa and, and, and push yourself back into that after you kind of get through the shock of what's happened. But in one, of the, in one of the chapters of your book, you say don't whine and this is what you write. <laughs> we believe in the no whiner's rule. We do not talk disparagingly about previous employers or colleagues New members of executive connections must demonstrate that they are over any anxiety from their job loss and are prepared to begin their search with the spirit, enthusiasm, and dedication that it requires. So I think that's a big point, right? So at some point you you can't bitch about it and whine about it. You have to own it and say, I'm going to kick this thing in the butt and you have to drive forward.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you talk about Christians and faith, faith is an action. So I, I, I show my faith by making and taking steps, not by laying on the couch saying, I'm here whenever you're ready. I need to be taking action. Um, what I've found is if I'm walking the wrong way, God will change the steps. He'll, he'll move me in the right direction, but I've got to be walking in order to get somewhere. So how do we get out and make that happen? but you're so right about you have to own it, which is why when people just sometimes can't get past that this thing happened, well, it did happen. Um, And you need to just accept that it did. And now I'm going to make the best that I can of this. And I'm going to, I'm going to find the next place where I can use my gifts and my skills that are going to help an organization.
0: Dale, this has been, this has been great. We appreciate the the tips on, what people can do if they're unemployed, how you can be a good friend if you're unemployed, and what leadership can do to better support people, that communication aspect of it, and just helping people in your community. Because right now, we're going through all kinds of transitions in our own lives, in our communities, in our corporations. And so it's 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 a good kind of anchoring conversation, I feel like, to, to give us perspective that we all need. because. No matter how divided the world might seem at times, you look around left and right, forward and backwards, and you have people around you that, that need you and we need them. Absolutely.
3: Um, and I think, you know, for leaders, so I recognize on your audience today, there's probably some people that had to say goodbye to some workers over the last six to eight months due to COVID. And that was not easy for them. And I would say one of the things that becomes important for leaders is also to remember this is, this is emotional for the people that are left behind, as well as for the people that left. Um, so often we think it's logical, so we, we give an explanation as to what happened and the why, and we think everybody's going to get over that because that makes sense, they understand, but it's an emotional journey for the staff that are still there. And so leaders really need to continue to care for the people that are left behind and to support them as they go through that transition of saying goodbye to friends.
0: Great advice indeed. And there's there's much more of that inside the book, uh, How long, Oh Lord, how long, Dale, thanks for sharing your wisdom and your time with us. And for the support that you're offering people really in need, we appreciate it very much.
2: Thanks. You can bounce on it. Is ice, And I'm hot like a heater, bounce by the ounce, now no, we, we got, got it by the liter. Well you take a spring and you wrap it up right, you can sleep so smooth or bounce all right, yeah. put the two together, get a whole lot more, get the feel of the comfort core, you can bounce on it, lay it back, you don't have to practice, it's the best thing to happen to your mattress, yeah. get together to do it like I did, everybody get high. want somebody to get in your vicinity you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity from alone out of five maybe one star Springs and foam We're taking care of that lumbar Mad back support The best way to shack up Or just get rest that won't mess your back up Like a hot chick mix With a particle physicist Or a mullet Party in the back of the business Best of both worlds Like Mars and Venus The ultimate hybrid Nothing short of genius Keeping it loose While keeping it tight We can make you sleep Or play all night Put two together Get a whole lot more Get the feel of a comfort core it no stopping when the beat gets played back springs keep it popping foam keeps it laid back party over here get invited everybody get hybrid Hybrid. listen doesn't matter build a, a song, song about, about mattresses, mattresses.